Welcome to the Gods to Gross Volleyball podcast. I'm your host, Scott Bemke. This podcast is a continuation of our interview with Greg Lee. This is part two. With that being said, let's pick up where we left off with things with Greg from part one. In 70, Sereno Beach, you went down there, I guess, at, at some point in time. Paint a picture for us what it was like during that time period. I heard it was epic, so in your own words, Greg. It was, uh, I remember distinctly, because uh, we were in a Southern California weather system where it's uh, really hot, really hot in runs, but then the water is still really cold, and so there's the, the fog, and it's only right along the beach, and so I was, it was my freshman year in, the, in spring, before uh, the, the fall, uh, when the Bill and Jamal would come to uh, school. So I was already there to uh, get a quarter in. And I so I went to the, my classes and I said, oh, it's so hot, I gotta go to the beach. Went to the beach, got right to the top of the cliff and uh, parked at the top because I didn't want to pay money to park, of course. And uh, uh, when it was just so foggy, there was nobody at the beach. And I said, God, I didn't know if I should go down. But I decided to, to go down, so I went down and uh, jaywalked across the coast highway and went on to the beach uh, to the volleyball courts and uh, I didn't see anything, nobody was playing and then I saw a couple figures uh, by the wall and I went up and just started talking to them and it turned out that they were Jamalis and Mingus and uh, Ron Von Hagen. And so I'm Bunch just, of chumps, basically. We started talking, and uh, they were, of course, you know, uh, basketball fans. Bill uh, Thomas was playing at uh, City College, San Monica City College at the time. He was on the basketball team, and uh, Jim was uh, going to uh, City College, and he was uh, playing football. And uh, what Dan Hexley did affected his whole uh, volleyball career because while playing football, he hurt his uh, his shoulder, his uh, his arm, and he and he uh, had to have it operated on. And uh, he was it was really uh, he couldn't hit for a while, and he just developed with all these weird shots and cut shots and dinks and reverse dinks and all this this touch that uh, he, before he'd just been sort of a power hitter, and it actually made him a better player. But anyway, he was a he was he was down there at the time, and uh, we just started talking, and we decided to. Uh, I said, "We'll see you tomorrow," and then we ended up starting hanging around together. And uh, I was a total beginner. I had you know very very rudimentary volleyball skills. And I just started touching the ball and playing, and uh, didn't play right away on a court, but I would play on the second court down, and uh, be happy to be playing there, and then. Naturally, I just uh, got, got tired of watching the, the other guys play on the big court. And so I said, hey, I'm going to go out there and try and compete. And of course, it was being in the, you know, it was like uh, being in the presence of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or something. When, when you, got, uh, you got to be around Von uh, Hagen and Lang, you know, just on a, on a week, you know, of Monday at ten o'clock or something. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like to to see Lang in Von Hagen play? I, I couldn't imagine. It was it was always just sort of a it was just something special. It was all of a sudden like oh, there's uh, something's going to happen that you want to watch. And, uh, <laughs> and they were just it was it was unbelievable how how they, they were. You know, sort of caricatures. They were sort of like uh, real unique characters, like you would you would want to have uh, 
a very uh, strong stereotype, you know, uh, if you were making a movie, you know, you would want to have characters like that. You wouldn't want to have just, uh, you know, people that were emotionless you know, or something. And, and that was what was great about the, the show. You got, you know, Vogue. Uh, and I, how do you explain the Vogel's thing? You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's exactly what like, Vogel's saying. What was Vogel like? He's 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 the strangest guy in the world, and 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 yet you like him because he's he's down to earth. He, he laughs at himself. He knows he's a goo, and uh, but he was and then and then to make it all worse, he was hard to beat. He was really good. And, and, yeah, it, it, uh, he was just uh, uh, he was just don't ever don't ever. Uh, compete against him in a bar game, any bar game, foosball, you know, ping pong, uh, any, he's, he's amazing. Uh, he's, well, he's, he's just a, he's, he's just a, a talented, talented guy and just a, a goof. And, and as I said, he's hard to beat. That's what makes him so maddening. One of the one of the, the of my first uh, memories of uh, beach volleyball before I hadn't thought about this. I'm glad that I'm answering this question. Is I is uh, I went with uh, my brother and uh, a friend of his, and we went to the it was the Manhattan Beach Open, and it was when uh, Lika and Vogelsang uh, played against uh, Lang and Von Hagen in the finals. With all the and, beer? And Von Hagen started, yeah, the pier. And Von Hagen, uh, excuse me, Vogelsang uh, uh, started goading the crowd and, and, and they started peppering the court with, uh, rooting for him so hard, uh, just covering the court with beer cans. And uh, because he was cramping and it, it was obvious that they didn't have a chance to win, but he was still coming back and, and laying on the and couldn't put him away. It was just the, the it was just a zoo, and Vogelsang was like the maestro of the whole thing. It was just odd. That uh, finals, uh, Lang holds a grudge against Vogel to this day. Shock. Oh, I'm telling you, it was it was a bizarre experience. It was. I mean, really, you could barely see the the sand on the court. There were that many beer cans being thrown on the court. And then they get they're all cleared out. They play you know one or two points, and Bogey would say that you know, the sand was in his eyes or something. He wasn't ready and take the play over, and, and then he just you know wiggle his fingers a little bit, and here come the beer cans again. You know, so pleasant for it. Sinjin calls him the Crown Prince of Volleyball. Yeah, he's the he's the goof of all time, but he is, and he was good. He was a very good player. Shamalas tells the story that, you know, they would be at Sereno and they'd all be like between games and they'd look at Bogey and he'd walk down the beach to go hit on a girl and you could tell the girl turned him down. And Bogey would turn 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 like three feet to his right and then hit on the next girl who was probably her, her best friend. He would be playing be all sweaty and dandy and then just go flop down on the towel with the girl and just uh, you know, you just it was amazing. And the, 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 if nine says no, there might be a tenth one that would say yes. That's all they can tell you. Okay. Yes. Yes, please. Thanks, please. Um, yeah, Bogey. Bogey was something. Anyway, so what, was it, what did I just say? Oh, yeah, just this classic stories uh, down there. So um, with Mangus, um, you two became best friends from what I've heard. Um, yeah. What was it about old Ice Eyes? I know the ladies loved him, but um, what what made you two such good friends and such incredible players? I mean, you guys won at one point in time 25 out of the 30 tournaments you played in, and I think you won 26 together. But, I mean, that's an incredible streak. You had 13 wins in a row, which we'll get to later, and it took how long until Karch and Kent tied that? or. I mean, it's just insane. Uh, you guys were, put it mildly, in, an incredible team. Uh, everyone who saw you play said you guys were, what was it about Mangus that made you guys so good and, and what what uh, what you guys like so much about playing together? What made you such a strong team? Yeah, the, the, one of the things that was, uh, I think that helped us really a lot is it was genuine. We really did like each other. And uh, it was, you know, 
my my wife says the same thing. She doesn't understand why he's always like him so much too. She she says, you know, he's so tight with money, and you know, he, <laughs> he wasn't good wasn't good to his first wife, and then and, and you still love him. You, you still uh, like him, and uh, and as, in terms of you know, athletically, first of all, uh, you know, being good is that's doesn't even get close. I mean, he was ridiculous. Uh, and he was like lying, but except more mobile, and uh, you know, like Von Hagen, but a better setter. But you know, probably you know not as strong as 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 Von Yoder. And uh, but he was, you know, was and he's not as uh, dynamic physically as Karch, for example, or you know, guys like you know Dahlhauser, and you start getting the way the game is now. But it, you know. Uh, if you wanted to create a beach volleyball player with the old rules, with the, the size court and the the setting uh, standards and uh, no blocking over, I mean, you you would want uh, you know you'd want Jim Ingersoll. Uh, you know, he'd be <laughs> he'd be a, a good way to start your team, even if it's a two man team. I remember uh, he was always afraid to lose, and he his intensity like it just drove him nuts. Yeah. I know if he lost, he you couldn't talk to him. He'd run down the beach, but you would always be like, "We're gonna kick these guys' ass." You had that impeccable uh, Lee confidence, which I give all credit to your older brother John, but uh, <laughs> for kicking your ass as a kid on the basketball court and who knows what else. He gives himself that credit. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, I, no, but he was just—he was. Uh, you know, uh, Jim was very uh, open. Uh, you know, he didn't—he didn't—he didn't see him for two seconds at the start of the day, and he'd know if he was in a good mood or not. You know, if he just scored three points in a row, you know, you'd look at him and you'd know that he said, "Yeah, we got these guys down. We're going to win." And you know, those the first couple of minutes when you're you know when it's still one-one for fifteen minutes. You know, he, he, he would, you know, he wasn't always sure at the start when we, when we first started playing it. Oh yeah, we're just going to, you know, beat these guys. And so one way for him to not have to uh, internalize it too much and and just let him play his own game, it helped him just to yell at me <laughs> and say, "Come on now, you know, you gotta get, you know, you gotta get that ball. You, you know, you gotta do this. Let's set it a little more that way." And uh, you know, I. It didn't bother me one bit, you know. I just won a couple of national championships on the, you know, indoors play basketball. I, had, you know, I was, you know, life is going clear and married. Everything's going fine in my life, and uh, uh, I don't mind if he yells at me. <laughs> it, it, it didn't, it didn't bother me, and it would just be, you know, one quick thing. I say, hey, that's way to let's, let's keep playing, and uh, we just had, you know. Nary a hiccup in terms of, uh, you know, disappointing me or, or just saying, uh, he's not trying or he's, we, we, we had a really, really, I don't know how many times we, we, we played that we, we didn't, you know, get to the finals and win, uh, or win. I don't think you guys ever I mean, had not, lower than a third place finish together, maybe one. Yeah. It's just an, it's yeah, incredible. Now we got, we got a, it was, it was odd because, uh, one of the weirdnesses of when I started playing is like, I won, uh, well, I didn't finish the tournament with John uh, up at Santa Cruz in the Open uh, in 72. But I would have, uh, we were in the finals with, uh, we'd beaten Von Hagen and Battlewood twice, but we were generally engaged in Rutt and, and uh, Clinton and Rundle were still left in a dark out because it was so cold and rainy and, t- and terrible. So nobody won the tournament. But then the next tournament, I, I, I won with Shamalas. You know, we beat Langevin Hagen. That was the first time I played with with Tom. And then I played with Von Hagen, and I won the first time I played with Von Hagen. And then I, and then the next year I, I played with Mingus for the first time, and I was I won the first time I played with him. I think I, in '72, I thought you played with Von Hagen in your first open and got a second. Is uh, my um, is that that's, that's another thing? That's another thing that was wrong. The first time well, I'd already it was. Uh, in in '72, I'd already played with the John up in Santa Cruz, and as I said, in the tournament they didn't finish. And then I won the tournament. Uh, we beat Lang and Von Hagen. Uh, John, uh, uh, Tom, and I did. 
Wallace and I did at uh, Santa Barbara. And then uh, I won the Homosa tournament with uh, a couple weeks later with Ron. And then the next time I played with uh, Ron, Josh, we won the, we, you know, we beat uh, Noah Jen and my brother John in the semis and in the final of the winners against Gage and Clem. We won the first game and we're ahead 10-6 in the second game. And I got an overset set up on Higgins. That means I put it away to win at 11-6 and we're won the winner's bracket and Milliken, who we just beaten before, called a throw on Von Hagen about 10 seconds after the play was over. And we never got the 11th point and they ended up beating us, you know, 12-10 and then the third game, 14-12 or something. But we had the thing, it was over, we'd shaken hands under the net and we're on the way to the bottle. And it was called. And Milliken's like my brother John's best friend. I love the guy dearly. And, uh, that would explain Von Hagen's disdain for when the refs decide games now when I talk to him. Oh, right. so, <laughs> he gets pretty bent oh, out of shape. He, you can't, it's, it's something, one of my uh, strongest memories of life at Sorrento was uh, in the afternoon when the, it's you know, by the wall because it's warm, you know, the wind has come up a bit. But by the, by the, the ivy and you're having a beer? Yeah, and, we're, and, we, and you're talking with Von Hagen about, doesn't matter what you're talking about, uh, but eventually it would get to Bill Russell when UCLA and, <laughs> and he would start drawing, he'd be smoothing out the hand, relying on the hand, he'd smooth out the sand with his hands and start drawing rectangles. And then smooth it out again and draw more rectangles. And then they, he'd turn them into perfect squares as he's making each point about why Russell was better than Chamberlain and why yeah, John Wooden is better than Bobby Knight. Oh, uh, and he's still the same. The strategy was just don't make mistakes. Simple as apple pie. Well, like well, uh, it, you know that's yeah. That's uh, basically uh, is to, uh, to just uh, put to play fundamentally sound uh, volleyball, and uh, it just so happens that I'd gotten through with the four years playing basketball at UCLA the last three under with Coach Wooden. But we, you know, as far as when we played with the same system and everything, but he wasn't the coach. But anyway, uh, and that was the whole essence of the, of the way uh, we played basketball. And we, yeah, I mean, we the first uh, the first lesson we had the first day of practice is how to put our socks on and our <laughs> shoes uh, so that we didn't get blisters. Because if you got blisters, you missed practice, which didn't make you as good for the game. So you got to start with ground one, put your shoes and socks on correctly, and he would tell. You know, guys like Bill Walton and, and beforehand Sidney Wicks and years before that, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he'd tell them how to put their shoes and socks on. Uh, and that's how, uh, you know, attention to detail, uh, that's what he was into. And he would explain things during practice, and then he would expect us to be able to do them, you know, right away. And uh, the best players were able to do it. And those were the ones that started. And he did the same thing every single year and everything, you know, during it. Uh, it was just amazing how consistent he was. You know, just some people could say it was boring, um, but uh, it was also that just the, the whole concept of uh, identifying what the important fundamentals were and then just make, and executing those fundamentals correctly without making mistakes. And it just, you know, I never thought about it, you know, until afterwards, really, how odd it was that I was a part of uh, uh, an 88-game, you know, winning streak, in, 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 which was the longest ever at the time until the UConn women beat the, the record. That uh, that was, the, you know, the longest winning streak. And who, by, and by the way, we broke the record of 60 in a row that was uh, set by Bill Russell's uh, San Francisco USF team. Teams. Yeah, the USF team, and and uh, Bill Russell was always Ron Von Hagen's fa- uh, favorite athlete oh, uh, yeah. of all time, for sure, without even a doubt. Anyway, um, it so happened that I was a part of that uh, streak, and then I ended up, uh, you know, with the longest streak at the time in uh, of uh, on beach volleyball. And so there was something uh, obviously that I was doing right that I think I was getting some pretty good uh, inspiration and coaching from. Uh, you know, as I said, from Lang and Von Hagen when I was, you know, at the beach, but uh, I gotten uh, that same type of uh, approach where, 
you know, I didn't have any sort of, uh, that's the idea of, of, of showing what a smooth, efficient, you know, accomplished uh, volleyball player I was. All I wanted to do was just go out and, and win the game. And, and I you know, didn't hit the, the three best ace serves or hit the three hardest spikes that were perfectly executed that bounced, you know, 50 feet in the air maybe. But, uh, you know, I put the ball away when I got the chance. And... Um, Luckily, uh, you know, you, you find a, a partner uh, that, that you mesh with that, that uh, the cohesion is just there and uh, psychologically, emotionally, and, uh, and then just down to the nuts and bolts of the sport, the fundamentals of the sport, that uh, both of you can uh, execute them efficiently and, and at, at, to a level that uh, your team's going to win no matter who they serve. Uh, unfortunately for me, as much fun as I loved, you know, winning all the time with, with Jim, I, I, I have to admit it was a little, you know, sometimes it was a little boring to own that deal for three straight tournaments in a row. <laughs> no, one, no one would ever serve me. And, you know, if I, if I dove for a, for a ball on defense that didn't get it and came up and was knocking the sand off my face, uh, they, they are off my body, uh, Many a time, the other team would go back and serve because they weren't even looking at me. They, they weren't even thinking about serving me, and so they didn't even know that I wasn't ready to, to receive serve because they they were going to serve Jim every time. And you would think that after you served him, uh, you know, a hundred times in a row and lost a hundred times in a row, that you you know, just it's human nature. They would rather serve the shorter guy. Uh, you know, even though Jim had a wider variety of shots, certainly that I ever did. Uh, but uh, they just think, oh, I'll serve the little guy, and the big guy will, you know, won't have good, good enough hands. He won't be a great setter, and that, you know, was not really the description of me because I was an awfully good setter. And uh, you know, there was just uh, they weren't going to win if they served Jim, but then again, they weren't going to win if they served me either. So uh, that was, uh, you know, you could always serve out, but that's not a good option either. You know, when it comes to Mangus, you know, while he wasn't is powerful of a hitter is you know a lot of these other more physical guys right. have been over history when you when i do ask players who the best hitters were as far as being the smartest and that would just side out his name often comes up fred yeah. Zulich yeah. said he could put the ball wherever he wanted to he wouldn't bomb yeah. it but he it would be it was almost as if he had a sixth sense he would put the ball right. exactly yeah. where yeah. you were not whether it was a shot whether it was a, a deep hit just be like this guy can't be that lucky this long he's like he's that just that skilled like a pitcher that could yeah. throw the ball every pitch but didn't have one dominant one that was Mangus that's right and, and, and that really does, describes him uh, perfectly and uh, uh, also it, uh, I, I think it's an excellent argument that uh, for, for the fact that I think that he would have been uh, absolutely a, a premier you know if not as dominant as he was in that at that era, but uh, he would have been suited perfectly for the the over the net blocking game uh, if he'd have been playing that when he was you know 25 years old, uh, because uh, his shots, the, the way he can, uh, like you said, like Fred said, uh, you'd be surprised so many times that he'd shoot the ball and say, "Oh, that one's going to go out," and it would just hit the rope, and it would just be you know it was right when you committed to take away the angle that's what he would hit line and then you'd take away the line and he did angle and and uh i think he would have been a, a real good uh able to put the ball down you know even against a big over the net block uh because of that that just that that uncanny ability to uh to uh, keep the other uh, keep the opposition off balance and just you know always guessing and seemingly always guessing wrong and his defense was considered to be oh, that one, one, it was, one it was of the best the ever. Was, yeah, it, it's hard to, to, uh, to uh, assess you know, something like defense because, you know, the, for, with some people, uh, having that big block is, uh, you right. know, makes him a great defensive player. And uh, and sometimes, uh, you know, I know I know that uh, a lot of people would, would not hit at him. And, and so I ended up making a, a bunch of digs against some people because just, just because they got tired of getting done by Jim, so they, they just wanted to try something else, and, uh, and that was fine by me. Uh, were there was there a particular time? I, I mean, people say as far as his overhand digging goes, along with Lang, he was just would do stuff that would 
that was pretty mind-blowing. Um, also, his his uncanny ability for that double dig where, you know, you he, you would dig him, um, and then uh, you'd try to blast away at him to, to get the point, and he'd dig you back and then side out and just drive you nuts. That was that, something he was notorious yeah, for. Yeah, when you finally have a taste of getting the point, you finally think you're going to get a point because you made the dig, and he, he'd dig you back and, uh, and not let it happen. Uh, yeah, that used to that bother me all the time when I was, when I was young and... Uh, uh, just learning the game, and, and that that used to happen to me all the time. Playing against Lang, uh, he he would always uh, you know save a side out, even even if he got big or, or there was an overset involved or something. He would dig right back in order to to, to sort of dangle it in front of me and then take it away. It was just, <laughs> and always and always make it seem. I mean, even if it hadn't worked seven times in a row, if it worked that eighth time, he'd look at you. I give you a little twinkle like uh, he didn't. Uh, that's the way he spun the ball in his finger, you know, when he beat you eight out. That's, that's the way he would do it. It just, he, he would let you know that he was not just uh, getting lucky or, or beating you in volleyball. He was out thinking, you know, he was psyching you out. And that's, uh, and if he gets you thinking like that, you know, what you're more likely to do, you know, when I started playing, I was 18 years old and you know, he was 37 or 36 or something. And, uh, and he, for sure, uh, the, the you know, beat me at least five or six times uh, when, when I was already surpassing and should have been beating him uh, but it was just a, a huge hill to climb a huge you know uh, block to get over to uh, to uh, finally beat Lang and Von Hagen I remember the first time I beat Ron uh, Von Hagen it was a, uh, it was the biggest victory of my life <laughs> it was on it was a Monday after a tournament and he played to the finals of the tournament it was like 71 and I was just just getting so that I could, could really play but I was you know not that consistent yet and everything right. but it was a day game. he was playing with Bobby Jones and I was uh, playing with Randy Niles I was on the left side I was not as good on the left side I didn't know that yet even I was so so raw but, but I just had a whole bunch of you know talent and energy but I was not really an accomplished player yet but it was the classic I went out for he, uh, Lang when uh, excuse me uh, Von Yogurt went up to put the ball away and, uh, and we were ahead 14-13 and we served him and uh, he hit the ball and I just was so smooth I just was convinced that I was really getting it together now so, so I went down into a one knee uh, defensive position in the middle of the court and it just Read, read it perfectly and just had my, the platform to the dig and I was going to be so cool <laughs> and I was about two and a half feet away from where the ball went but the ball went hit my left knee and bounced over the net and into the corner for the, the winning point <laughs> you know, to beat him and that was the first time I had ever beaten Bud Hagen and I often thought that hey if I hadn't made that knee dig that was totally unintentional and the luckiest play of all time if I hadn't done that uh I never would have gotten that first victory against him. Oh, that's funny. Uh, Bobby Jones is a pretty neat guy. I talked to him from time to time, the lefty from Hawaii. He's got a lot yeah. of great insight on the game and remembers stuff really well. Um, what do you remember about him as a player? You know, he was uh, right that for, right when I was coming up, uh, uh, he was still pretty darn good, and I, I think he, uh, he my first year playing uh, in 70, the, 72 really I think he got like six straight fifths and he was playing with Bob Wardrow uh, Bill Wardrow a big big uh, blocker and hitter from SC and he was really good but they just were not not as good as Lang and Von Hagen and, and they would get to the semis every single tournament and then lose two straight and get a fifth and he got like six straight fifths so he was still an accomplished player and a, and a friend of mine, and he, you know, was definitely a, a Sorrentoite. He spent every day at Sorrento. Yeah, I heard and, that. And uh, yeah, he liked to have. But a... he was, uh, but it was definitely from that. That was from the old era, you know, where everybody was, uh, you know, nobody was playing volleyball for a for a, li a living. No, nobody was making any money on volleyball except maybe one or two people, or you know, working in some office someplace with the National Volleyball Association or something. Because it was, you know, people had no money in it at all, and so everybody had to do something else with their lives in terms of, uh, you know, and most, I'd say the, the favorite profession probably.
being a waiter at Chuck's or Chart House or something like that. They, they would play volleyball all day, practice all day, and then work at night as a as a, as a waiter or something. Is, to pay the bills. Yeah, once they uh, once they graduated, you know, we started out at college age and, and, and playing, you know, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, and you're in college and, and not thinking of it. But this time of year, this was always, uh, you know, the second week of June. This would be you know, we'd be going down to San Diego. And we'd already have played at Marine Street, and uh, and uh, I was thinking of that as we were driving up this passing the the, uh, the the South Bay play. Uh, Venues, you know, Rosecrans, Marine Street, and Hermosa, and Manhattan Beach, and uh, a lot of fond uh, memories. Yeah, and uh, it was on a Saturday morning, you know, at, uh, at nine o'clock as we were driving up this morning, and that, that, that when we would have been chin in, and I would have had to pay for the uh, for the entry fee because Mingus would, you know, say, "Oh, yeah, you forgot his wallet at home." <laughs> <laughs> is that true about him? Like the, he never paid his bar or his like beer tabs. Like he turned into a and ghost. The, and the only thing more, uh, uh, you know, truthfully, by the way, it's all one hundred percent truthful. Is is he actually sort of uh, it was? So he enjoyed the, the the fact that the teasing and everything about it. He, he always was uh, excellent at taking uh, derision and, and uh, you know a little sarcastic uh, taunting. He, Just like his a, nickname, Cookie. Oh yeah, well that came from uh, we were on a trip around the Niles and, and uh, John and I and Milliken and Billy Best. We were on, uh, on a trip around the country, uh, around the western part of the country, and camping out and fishing. And uh, we had this. We played a garbage card game, a diminishing bridge, and you were just sort of the rules of the game where you're supposed to pick your own nickname. You're not supposed to play under your own name. So you're supposed to play, you know, play, say your Biff or Bosco or you know, <laughs> make up any name you want. And uh, Jim depicted the name for himself as a Cookie, you know, which was a, a strange name. And he said, "Wait a second, it's for Cookie Gilchrist, who was a big running back for the Buffalo Bills." You know, mm-hmm. and it was a pretty bizarre reference, or it was just sort of a, uh, you know, and he was so handsome and and. Uh, Looking at everybody, you know, love to make fun of him for being gay, sure. and uh, and uh, he he handled that well too. You know, and always just with a sheepish grin would go on. Even though he sure. pulled more women than most people, yeah, exactly, exactly, paid for and in their lifetime. Up. From what I've heard, <laughs> <laughs> he seen yeah. more tail than a greyhound bus. Is the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As old as old as my friend would always say. Oh yeah, he's got a lot of really good pickup lines too. He said, "Oh, hello, hi, my name's Jim. Look at my eyes." Only, <laughs> You're getting very <laughs> sleepy. Pickup line, and it works. And he says it's terrible, but it works. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm sure you guys had some some good times. Uh, all said and done, you ended up winning what 29 tournaments in your career. And if you had to single out the three biggest ones to you, which ones would they be, Greg, and and why? Boy, I have to, uh, to. Well, you know the, um, you know the first one's always really uh, big, uh, but it, that would not be in my top of that. The first one I, I won was uh, I was playing on the left side with Tom Shabalas, and we beat Lang von Hagen, which is up in Santa Barbara. That's a that's a great victory, but it was not, uh, uh, you know, not really. There were only about a couple hundred people on the beach, and the weather wasn't that good, and. and uh, you know, I knew I wasn't as good by then. I, I knew I wasn't as good on the left side. Uh, and it was it was hard because Tom kept wanting to play with me all throughout the summer of 72 after we won that first tournament. And uh, we really only won the tournament because Lang wanted to, and Ryan, uh, he made it run. Uh, and he, they, they served Shamalas all the time. And if they'd have served me, we, we would not have won the tournament, I don't think. In fact, I know we wouldn't have. But, uh, uh, I think the uh, let me see. Well, the uh, I think my favorite one ever was probably not even one with Jim. Uh, the first world championship was was one of them, but the, was one the, that I won playing with uh, uh, Jay Hanseth, and we beat uh, Gage and, and Cleary in the finals uh, of Laguna. That was later in your career in what eighty one? Yeah, and it was you know it was definitely later in my career, and the reason it was uh, we'd already got the check for my. Uh, mother-in-law, because uh, we 
I had no, I had no more money, and uh, uh, Lisa was eight months pregnant, and uh, we had to pay for, you know, the birth, uh, the, the birthing class, and, and the doctor and everything in the hospital. So I had a check for uh, that was going to cover the, the birth uh, in our in Lisa's purse because we didn't have enough money, and then our one seventeen hundred dollars for the at the tournament with uh, by winning that tournament, and so it was a, an instance where. Uh, the, the, the uh, volleyball really came through uh, when I needed it, and I won, you know, a whole bunch of tournaments where I got nothing but a handshake and a trophy. And uh, it was nice to win one that could, you know, pay for the birth of my child. So that was really exciting. And again, it was late in my career, and I knew I wasn't going to win a whole lot more. Right. Uh, you know, with, you know, because guys like Karch and Sinjin were, you know, twenty-one, twenty-two years old, and it was, uh, it was I was already thirty or something. So I was not going to get, uh, you know, I knew I wasn't going to last forever. But, uh, the, you know, the first one I won with, I, I won with uh, uh, Jim at uh, Marine Street? Manhattan Beach. At Manhattan Beach was was the one I, I, I really liked that one. Because the first Manhattan, you know, you start out with 128 teams. You just, you know. And I hadn't been around that many years to, to know all about the history of it or anything, but it was just such a huge, important affair, and I, I really like that one. Another one of my favorite ones was was one that didn't finish that, uh, that John and I played, the, and we got in the finals of uh, we beat Bowley and Von Hagen twice in the tournament at Santa Cruz, and this was in '72, and I and I uh, that was the first tournament of the year. And Emily and Gage and Rundle and Clem and Lee and Lee with the three teams left, and the weather was just horrible. It was practically raining. There were about fourteen people on the beach, and it, it was just really exciting to to beat Von Hagen and, and Valley twice in the in the in the same tournament, and, and to be around at the end. But we didn't. We had to go paper scissors rock from there, <laughs> and I, I I went papers and and. Uh, and Rundle went scissors, and, and I lost to him. <laughs> so we we didn't win the tournament, but then again, nobody really. They just kind of, you know, it was a non non finished tournament. But uh, but I was really that was the first time that I really you know, knew that I was you know, one of the best players. What was it like playing with your big brother John? Oh gosh, it was uh, it was great because uh, a lot of people always consider I was a very vocal. Uh, a basketball player and and, and uh, you know I and I I can talk and uh, <laughs> and I just never I never said a word when I played with John because he just, he wouldn't shut up he just was going on he he took care of all <laughs> of all the verbal uh, attacks or intimidation or garbage whatever you want to call it but he would make a comment always but uh, one one memorable memorable uh, game is is when I had. I've been playing uh, for a couple of years, and you know some of the young guns coming out were definitely you know big and strong. And two of the, the strongest and the hardest hitters were uh, uh, were uh, Carl uh, Eller, Mark, Mark Eller. Eller. Yeah, but everybody called him Carl Eller because Carl Eller was the football player from that everybody knew. Anyway, but it was Mark Eller and uh, Randy Stoklos. And John and I played them at Marine Street. You can see the Rosecrans of Marine Street. I think was I think it was Rosecrans. Uh, anyway, uh, and they were just hitting the ball so hard in warm ups. They were bouncing the ball, you know, a hundred feet in the air and just killing the ball. And you know, they were I think eighteen, nineteen at the time. And just really, really young and just strong as can be. And John and I were definitely up the downside of our careers and it was a you know a Saturday mid, mid morning game uh, and John put a ball down and I mean John was jumping about four inches at the time and, and he hit the ball as opposed to six miles an hour it was like a it was like a change up off of a slow pitch I mean it was just a terrible hit and he went bango and Stoke was just turned and looked at him bango what do you mean bango that wasn't a bango when I hit the ball it's a bango when you hit the ball it's not and John just you know didn't explain it to him or anything and then for the rest of the game every time John would just hit a little feathery cut shot with nothing on it and it would just 
rotation and everything, so they serve him every single ball, and we beat him 11-9, 11-8, and it was, <laughs> it was just the most uh, unlikely victory of all time because uh, it was only because of the bango sequence uh, <laughs> that it just somehow unnerved Stokeless. The John Lee bango and the John the John yeah, the John was, Lee knuckle just, pokey. <laughs> they live on an infant now. Just in the it was just before he went to the one hundred percent knuckle, or it was knuckle left, <laughs> knuckle right, fake knuckle, fake deep knuckle, short knuckle, and uh, yeah. it was. I have to admit, it was pretty good. The funny thing is that uh, uh, an interesting aside was that I invented the the, the shot but not as an offensive shot, knuckling the way he knuckles it. That's the way uh, uh, Larry Rundle used to, uh, he would knuckle his uh, dink shots when he would go from an arm swing and then at the last second slow up and, and just knuckle it for a dink. Uh, but I, you, uh, when the ball was shot over my head deep when I was playing defense, I would reach up in the air and everybody would try to one hand open palm it and stuff. And I just would stick my arms way up in the air and, and knuckle it. And uh, I got really good, so I could do that. It was, I did it only as a defensive thing. And John used to deride me and say, "That's a, that's a terrible shot. You don't know what you're doing. Nobody, you know, nobody does that shot." And then he became the king of the knuckle. He turned it typical into John Lee offensive game. And so it was. Uh, I always say that uh, you know, to uh, impersonate somebody—that's a, a sign of uh, respect. Greatest form of what flattery, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Imitation. Imitation. Yep. Your big brother imitated the little brother. Um, <laughs> and he's and he's and he still plays every time. He, he's still every time I talk to him on the weekend. I say, "How's it going?" And he goes, "About fifteen, thirteen. I, I won today." And then he'll give me the, the side changes and what the scores were and which way the wind was blowing, and, and <laughs> as if I could really. <laughs> They know what's happening up at East Beach, you know. Yeah, well, as if that's going to help you sleep better at night, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I feel so much better now, I know. But it's, it's, the games, they still mean a lot to him. Still, it still feels better to win than it does to lose. Yeah, yeah, I think that holds true for everyone, and it's neat to see him now uh, running those camps up there. I think he had 130 oh, kids. Oh gosh, yeah, he told, he told me he told me this one that they just had the first camp this week, and there were 130 kids. Yeah. And at the, the time before, uh, he said uh, that uh, the first camp that we did it, uh, we had 30 the first week that we did it. And that was, uh, and he said just last year there were 50 the, the last year. Yeah. And, and uh, the very first week. And then it's, uh, you know, it builds as the summer goes on. But uh, but a lot of, you know, Stokeless and uh, Sinjin used to try and do the same thing up and down the coast. And they would get you know, 12 people to show up at the camp sometimes. Wow. And just, and uh, he, John is just, he's the mayor of Santa Barbara. It's the only game in town, and he, everybody just knows him. And it's just a peculiar deal for, uh, it's the cheapest, best form of, uh, of a camp, you know, of, of uh, babysitting for a, a, a teenager, a, a young kid. For three hours on the beach, they get. Uh, you know, taught great the lessons. You know, when uh, started doing it, uh, the first year we did it, was uh, the uh, Dax Holdren and uh, Todd Rogers were some of the coaches. You know, He's had coaches. some good ones come through his that his program yeah, that he coached had, up hundreds of them. If yeah. not thousands, I know he's had hundreds of D1 athletes uh, on the boys yeah. and girls side out of that high school that he's coached over what two or three decades at least. Yep, he definitely yeah. Uh, left the mark. He, uh, and they, just a couple years ago when he retired, they they uh, you know they dedicated the gym and they, and the gym floor was named the John Lee floor. No, I thought you were going to say they named a urinal after him or something. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, they named the John Lee floor after him, and I said that was because he never jumped off. When he jumped, he never got off of it. He, yeah, that four-inch vertical. He stayed close to it. He was, I'll tell you one thing. He was, uh, he was not a high jumper, but he could uh, not jump high. Just as the same at the start of the tournament as he did at the end of the tournament. It wasn't <laughs> like he, he, he didn't lose it at the end of the tournament, but he was... Uh, he had some of the more uh, amazing games where I played with him, particularly that 72 game uh, uh, when we played Von Hagen and, and Dowley. 
you know, who had never lost to anybody except, you know, like once to Rundle and, and Bergman or something. They, they were just one of the great teams in the history of beach volleyball. Of course, Dolly had to go off and play basketball and, you know, didn't stay a volleyball player forever, but he, those were his roots. But John, uh, John hit the ball uh, against them, and and they were serving John every time because they they thought that was the way to go. Because they thought I was a bad setter at the time, I guess, because I was just a rookie. But uh, I, I've never seen better hitting. I mean, the, the the in terms of how many balls they weren't even touched by them. He was if they would go deep middle, he would hit line, and if they covered the middle, he would hit a cut shot. I mean, just they were eight feet away from the ball. He just, he just had them. On a, on a string, it was just amazing, and uh, and so I always made them the probably the most interesting decision I ever made uh, in beach volleyball was that summer I had played with Shamalis and won a tournament, and Don Hagen won a tournament, and with John and not finished that Santa Cruz tournament, and after uh, uh, Laguna, uh, where Ron and I played together, we had won the Manhattan the. Uh, Hermosa tournament Von Hagen and I had and uh, first time we played together and then we uh, the next time we played was at Laguna and we only gave up seven points in three matches on uh, Saturday and on Sunday the first match uh, uh, we beat uh, uh, we beat my brother John and Larry Milliken and then in the, in the uh, semifinals of the winner's bracket we played uh, Gage and Clem, and we beat them 11-5 in the first game, and we're ahead 10-4 in the second game. Mm-hmm. And we never got another point. We ended up losing 12-10, and it took about 45 minutes to give up those eight points. Von Hagen talks about that points. frequently. That he'll he'll never forget that that that. Uh, oh, and against and, and against him, by the way, uh, they overset they overset to me, and I uh, passed the ball perfectly. Uh, with the, when it was like 10-6 in that second game and Von Hagen set me and I put the ball away and, and reached under and shook, shook their hand and, and Milliken who had lost to us previous, just a couple minutes earlier he was bitter <laughs> and he called a throw on Lang I mean on Von Hagen oh, boy. Uh, and after the, the play was over like 10 seconds after it was over we were walking towards the water and so you know, I'll, I'll, we're going to win anyway no big deal and we never got another point we ended up losing and so afterwards I had to decide who to play with and Lang is I mean Bot Hagen's sitting there with a hangdog look on his face and he's like you know he's just lost his best friend and his dog and, and everything he's so depressed about losing but he wants to play with me at, bon, at uh, Manhattan the next week and so I have to decide who I'm going to play at Manhattan with John wants to play with me and so I, I just said, uh, you know, in my mind at the time, I had as good a chance of winning as with my brother as I did with Ron. And I and I said, I'm, you know, just I love my brother, and I'm going to play with him. And so naturally, he had to search the bottom of the barrel and, and end up with Bergman as a partner. So I don't really feel that bad about Ron because they ended up beating us, and we only ended up getting fourth in the tournament. Yeah, that's one of my favorite photos, too. Uh, you could see you guys dug in on defense and Bergman's hitting. It's one of those classic yeah. Van Wagner photos, I think. Yeah, he was uh, Yep, he was. Uh, he was still really great. But anyway, it was, uh, uh, that, that was a tough decision for me. And I remember sitting you know, just at the, at the, by the basketball courts there at Laguna and, and trying to make a decision and, uh, and picking my brother. We ended up getting fourth, and I don't regret it. But uh, but uh, the, the sad thing is that my brother never won an open, and uh, he and I could have done it and should have done it. We did do it once against Hooper and, and Sterner up in Santa Cruz, but Hooper didn't call his net, and we didn't win that one. So such is life. Yep. Now. Over your career, you played with a bunch of legendary players and characters. I'm going to mention a couple of them here, one at a time. And sure. uh, I'd like to hear, you know, maybe your best recollection or a neat play. Or a capitalized a fu- comment. A funny story or something, because we could get stuck talking on each one of these guys for an hour. But let's um, right. just, just try to go out. Uh, Give a, a good insight or, yeah, like you said, capsule capsulize it for each um, to 
to give a good uh, or a, a fond memory or what have you of them. So um, let's start first with your brother John, John Lee. Uh, I uh, he was an absolute pleasure to, to play with, it and a great brother and a role model. And uh, I think he's for sure. I will say this without hesitation. He's done more for and, and cared more and put more and added more to the game of beach volleyball than any other player that is not in the Hall of Fame. Because he should be, if for nothing uh, other than the basketball camps that he's run. And uh, he is just absolute devotion to the game. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it really was uh, an inspiration to me. Let's uh, go to Ron Ado Lang. Just uh, the uh, absolute toughest uh, competitor uh, mentally that, that you, could, you could ever find uh, in terms of uh, just a, an uncanny ability to come up with uh, the correct uh, strategy or, or and uh, just approach to the game. He just came up with the with the. Found, he found the winning strategy uh, when, when it seemed to uh, not be there. Uh, very, very uh, hardest, the hardest person to defeat because uh, you'd never, never get him to give up an easy point. The other Ron, Ron Von Hagen. Uh, uh, as, as I've already said, but I will uh, say it again. Just his, his. Uh, Total dedication to the game was was without bounds uh, uh, in terms of his conditioning and his love of the game and, and just uh, overall not just a commitment during the the, the, uh, the beach season but a, a year round commitment to the to the sport and uh, he's a, a great uh, great great competitor and uh, you know, one of my favorite partners I ever played with. Matt Gage. I wasn't playing in the tournament. I just gotten back from uh, Germany, and he was playing with Mingus, and we had uh, uh, and uh, we had dinner over at uh, Bill Walton's house. Bill wasn't there, and so I was barbecuing, and we went from uh, the basketball court uh, with at the uh, the garage to the uh, ping pong table inside and then to the to the lit uh, tennis court that Bill had at his house and every place we went into the pool table uh, indoors afterwards and every uh, to every new sport that we went that night uh, we were this was the Saturday night and they were all in a good mood because they, they were in the semis of the winners and they were playing well uh, and they were going to end up playing Karch and Sinjin in the finals the next day, and they knew it. But every place we went to, every new sport that we went to, I'd say, hey, how are you at this sport? How are you at that, Matt? He goes, I'm great at that sport. I'm really, I'm not just really good at this sport. I'm a great <laughs> ping pong player. And it went from great to superlative to even more superlative. Didn't matter which sport we played. He, he just, and he was always so humble and never said it about beach volleyball. He was always saying, "Oh, you guys are great," and it's it's a, it's a it's a, a tribute to, uh, to you know. I'm just excited to even be able to hang with you guys and play beach volleyball. But in these sports, you should have heard him. He was the most cocky, confident guy. Not all day, he got a few beers, but it was it was the funniest thing because uh, because Lisa was going and uh, and Bill's wife were go- were going to each of the places. <laughs> Each of the sports that we would go to and listen to them, and they just couldn't believe that it was the same Matt Gage that was from the, from the beach thing. It was so, uh, you know, very, very self-effacing and uh, just very, you know, not unconfident, but just very humble. And then with, with the, <laughs> the whole night, he, he just praised himself for every single thing that he could do. It was very unlike, uh, uh, unlike him, but it was uh, he was great. Yeah, he sounds a lot more like Vogie there than Matt Gage. Are you sure you got that right? <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. Well, that's exactly right. That's why it was so odd. It was so odd because I'd never heard him like that. 
did he back it up in the sports when you played? Oh, absolutely! That? No, he was very good. I have to just admit, like he was, he was, he was on the court, smooth player. as glass. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, he was good. Mike Storman Norman. Yeah, uh, Mike Norman. Uh, he was. Uh, I'll never forget the my enduring memory is uh, of him uh, at Sorrento Beach, and it was about uh, you know from eight thirty quarter to nine in the morning so it was still early and we hadn't really started playing yet in the summer you know it was day of the week and there were uh so people were by the for warmth sitting at the wall at sorrento and it turned out that i was there and about seven women and they were all down to, to play some women's games down on the women's courts and uh, but they hadn't started to play yet and mike norman he waxed euphoric for about 15 minutes talking to these seven women convincing them and assuring them uh, that they were all nuts for thinking that period pain was a, a real thing and that, that it had menstrual pains actually happened he said it was all mental there was no proof that, the, that it happened and it was a sign of his self confidence and his cockiness that he was sure that he knew more than the seven women about period pain <laughs> It was a classic. It was a classic uh, teacher-student uh, situation where the the teacher was sure that he knew more than than all the students in the class. For sure. Yeah, even yeah. though he wasn't that the the same sex. And he was uh, and, well, he was marvelously talented. He, he could really he could really play, and he could uh, he could jump. Uh, you know, for his diminutive size, I, he says he was six feet tall. I don't think he was. I think he's only about five eleven. But he could jump really, really high, and uh, um, he was a, a, an ex excellent player. And he won one of the biggest uh, upsets of all time when he led the team in '74, uh, I think it was, uh, for uh, UCLA with Mingus on the team, and uh, and they beat uh, they beat Santa Barbara in the in the finals, the NC2A finals up in Santa Barbara. And uh, Santa Barbara was thirty-five and zero, and had beaten them three times the, during the season, and had never lost a game to the Bruins. And uh, they, uh, and, my, and Mike Norman was the better in the in, in the gym, not even close. And uh, he was a, a talented player. He wasn't the most popular player with other uh, <laughs> players, but uh, yeah, he's a fiery guy, from what I heard. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was different. Tom Shamalis. Oh, TC. Uh, uh, he was uh, he along and Jim were the two uh, young studs from uh, Santa Monica City College that were at the uh, at the beach when I went down the first day. Sorrento in the fog, and the other other one on the beach was Von Hagen, and that was my introduction to beach volleyball. And uh, TC was just uh, you know one of the best friends of mine, and. And we just we did everything together for several years, and uh, the three of us, uh, Tom and Jim and I, were basically inseparable. And then he had some uh, real problems with Jim, and, and uh, it was not easy for him that, that Jim and I went on and, and were so successful because he had, he had gone to play in the IBA, and and he was uh, a legend. And if you asked uh, anybody in 1973, 74 about Mingus Lee and Shamalas, they all would have said that Shamalas was the most talented player of the three. You know, he was the one that was the biggest star, and uh, he was a, an amazing talent. Uh, unfortunately, going to the IVA and, and uh, just, he, he totally lost his setting ability, and uh, uh, a whole lot of people want to blame me for uh, tightening up the rules of tennis or encouraging the uh, volleyball to make the uh, the refs uh, call throws uh, and I will plead guilty to, to thinking that the ball should be set cleanly and it's more fun to watch a good set than a, a mangled one but uh, uh, Tom really forgot how to set totally uh, and uh, and that's why he you know didn't keep on being dominant in, in, in volleyball which is it was too bad because he he was uh, when he was it was like Bergman he was the only other one like Bergman who when they passed the ball or 
crescendo when you finally got the, that they weren't going to have to just set that they were finally going to get a chance to deliver. And uh, TC was the only one besides uh, Henry Bergman who who I saw you know generate that type of awe and uh, you know anticipation of just the the big bango I'll call it. Yeah, just... and he could really really hit. Your partner, uh, Cookie Jim Mangus. I think he's uh, he's the uh, until Karch he was the volleyball player I've ever um, seen beach volleyball, and uh, I would have said he was the best ever. You know, granted I didn't see Lang and Von Hagen until they were thirty five, uh, and I'm sure they were something to behold when they were twenty five or you know twenty eight or whatever. But uh, uh, just an incredible athlete. Uh, and uh, he was aided, you know, really, uh, I'm sure you know it, but it's his injury, his football injury uh, that he suffered in, like, 1971. His shoulder? Uh, yeah, his shoulder. That uh, really helped make him a better player because he he uh, developed such uh, an array of shots, you know, of not being able to just rely. They say, I don't know this, but they say that he was an incredibly hard hitter when he was, you know, 16, 17 years old and just could really bang. Uh, you know, he was never a sky pilot. He didn't jump, uh, you know, 40 inches out of the sand or, or anything. But uh, like Lang, uh, jumping is a, it's an interesting thing. He, he would create, he could create the same jump 20 times in a row instead of 15 real high ones and then five, oh, or my balance was a little off this time right. or, or something. So, you know, it wasn't quite right, and it, that was the key to being that consistent, you know, just fundamentally sound player that was not going to give up a point. Is that, hey, you could say that, you know, the sand's a little little un- uneven, or the wind's blowing, or there's some reason that I, I'm not going to be able to put this ball away, but I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to find a way to put the ball away. And uh, and Jim was the, the best at just recreating that same... Uh, well, first of all, he was the most ridiculous passer ever. He, because he, uh, I'm extremely conceited about my own passing ability, and I think <laughs> I'm a phenomenal passer. And I used to be able to go tournaments without missing a pass. And, but he was ridiculous. Where I, you know, all I had to do is, if the guy would go back to serve, I would just already be to, just loping or just taking deliberative steps right to where I knew the pass was going to go every single time and he just he was the easiest person to, to set and, uh, ever and uh, plus if it was a back set uh, he could put it down you know with a dink or a cut shot or a fake dink deep shot over the guy's head and, and so uh, but he'd let me know with a look that it was not a back sets were not to be encouraged so I, I, <laughs> I tried to say I try to set him right on top every time, and, and but he was just a just a pleasure and a dear friend. You guys took some fun trips cross country and yeah, those VW yes, we vans. Shamalas yeah. would tell tell those, and gosh, you guys had a, a, one of those you know picturesque '70s um, sports. Fun women, seventy-six world championships, Elks Club party. I mean, you know, yes, you guys could have written it we, up better. We did. We did not uh, realize how uh, lucky we were to be at, at that time. I mean, you could say, "Oh gosh, if you'd have come along, you know, five years later, you could have made, you know, fifty thousand dollars more, or, you know, uh, in tournaments and everything." And I never really thought of that way. I, you know, it was it was great the way it, uh, the way it was, and. Uh, getting on airplanes and flying to play at the you know Costco parking lot in Cleveland, uh, even if I was going to make money doing it, that's not what I fell in love. I fell in love with the beach style, the, the, the Southern California beach style. It was, you know, it was not uh, uh, the endless summer because you know I wasn't a surfer, but uh, but that beach uh, beach living. I mean, I went a whole summer where I, I never went uh, east of the 405 freeway. I, I just <laughs> went up and down the coast uh, and, you know, played volleyball and, and won. It was just, it was fun. And uh, so it was, a, it, was a, it was a good time to be alive, a good time to be young. <laughs> 
and all the women, all the girls were on the pill, so it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I would only imagine. Um, it was a good time. It was who really pulled the most chicks? Uh, I'm not going to comment on that, but it was probably someone that, that you wouldn't expect, because you know, girls don't, they don't necessarily fall in love with a you know a triple A AAA player just because they the guy's triple A. They actually care about whether or not he got a personality or he's cute and adorable or their age or whatever. <laughs> Some guys just naturally assume it's, uh, you know, or uh, the one who had the most consistent approach lines was uh, was OB because he would just, you know, at a bar just go, hey, you want to fuck? And, uh, and the first nine would, you know, throw, throw a drink in his face or slap him and the tenth one would say yes. And so he was successful. Uh, yeah. But, uh, was a different approach. Which which beach had the the hottest uh, groupies? Boy, that's tough to handle. I would say the, the you know the the South Bay was it was sort of I'm not going to say old school, but they were more traditional. They had been around. They, they actually and there were more of them. You know, so uh, and all those beaches were so close together. They were uh, you know Rosecrans and, and Manhattan and Hermosa. You know, it's all just one more freeway stop down the road, just another mile and a half or two. And boy, they all would show up. But the South Bay, I think, would. would, would I'm not going to. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to pick Marine Street or anything because that wasn't much of a place. But Manhattan was big time. This concludes part two of our interview with Greg Lee. Thanks for tuning in and listening. If you haven't already, please make sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts. And please provide us with a a rating to let us know how we're doing. And if you're enjoying it, please sign up and subscribe to Gods to Ghost Volleyball. We look forward to sharing more content with you in the near future. Thanks for listening. Catch up soon.